0: Radio presents the Rad Probcast. Get it? It's a podcast hosted by a guy named Rob. So it's a Probcast. Very clever. And now here's your host, a guy named Rob. My guest on the Probcast is Eddie Ford. Uh, co-owner with his wife, Tammy, mm-hmm. of NorCal Gunvault in Rockland, California. Hi, Eddie. Hey, how you doing, sir? Good. Thanks for being here. Uh, always a very popular guest on the regular Rad Show, uh, where usually you're inundated with questions about, why uh, can't I buy handguns? Why can't I buy handguns? How come you don't have ammo? So if my dad bought me a gun and then he gave it to me, I bought a gun in Washington. Can I bring it to Cal? These are all legitimate questions. Yeah, I'm not mocking right. the questions, but it's almost like you've been on a few times. You pretty much know when you walk in. Every question you're going to get, uh, because guns, this is one of the reasons we love working with you guys at NorCal Gun Vault. Guns are so intimidating to so many right, people, right. Uh, and you guys try to make it as unintimidating as possible. So let's start with guns. Oh. Um, so re- I know this doesn't change anything in, universally yet, but recently there was, a, there was a court decision that doesn't change everything, but a federal appeals court, and they're, they're kind of an outlier here, they ruled... That banning handgun sales to Americans under 21 violates the Second Amendment. This is one of these things I've never really understood. I don't understand how you can be 18 and you can vote and you can sign up to defend our country like you did. Mm -hmm. And you can go overseas and put your life on the line and maybe lose it, but you're not responsible enough to own a handgun. Right. But this is a law that if i remember correctly lyndon johnson signed into uh, an act in 1968 and it's been upheld right over and over and over again
1: it's just never been really challenged i don't i I can't i don't know i was trying to look and see if there were any precedent cases but again it just it depends on the way that the court decision is written and how far it'll hold up and whether they just poo-poo it or not in the the, uh, appellate courts or or the um, you Know the the federal courts as it moves up the chain.
0: So, this was a, this particular one I'm talking about was uh middle of July, Fourth Circuit in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. wrote that the law is an arbitrary restriction that relegated 18 to 20 year olds to a second class status. How is that not true?
1: Right, I, it is. I, I mean, it's it's not, it, it isn't true. I mean, it's the they have said you can't buy, them. I mean, even in California now, if you're under 21, you can't buy a semi automatic rifle,
0: right? And it's they're but how can you be mature enough to vote oh they want you to vote at 16 right so exactly right there's a movement to lower the voting age to 16 so you're 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 mature enough to decide the leaders of the the city county country but you're not mature enough at 18 to own a handgun although you can own a shotgun right i don't understand the thinking here right and and it so so we just agree on that
1: yeah i mean it's 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 I mean, you're you're exactly right on it in the sense that it's it's ridiculous. I mean, you 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 carry a fi- sidearm in your job in the military, or you carry a sidearm in, in your job at law enforcement, but you can't go out and buy now. Whether there's a loophole for the law enforcement under eighteen to twenty one, I'd have to dig into that. I don't really deal with it much because most cops don't buy a lot of guns. So get it, them issued.
0: Now I know I know that, and I the, my read on this is there's two groups. There's the there's the middle of the road group that may not even own guns, but they're not, they're certainly not anti-gun. And then there's the anti-gun group. Mm-hmm. And I know that the pushback initially on that point would be, well, yeah, but in the military and in law enforcement, you're trained. You don't have to be trained in America. You know, some states you have to take a little test on the computer and that mm-hmm. kind of, but there's, I don't believe there's any state where you're required to take a certain amount of training before you can buy a gun. And if it is, it's an outlier and that would be their pushback. Is right. that? And so your answer to that is what?
1: My answer to that is, is training is training is training, whether you're, and I mean, it, if they want to like for the hunter safety class for, for to, to get a hunting license, you have to do a pretty extensive test and class and all this. Why not do the same thing for handguns at 18? Because it's going to be way more training than just guessing questions, 25, you know, 30 questions on an FSC exam and, and you know, and you got 25% chance of getting them right. So, um, you know, again, Education and you and I have talked about this. I can't think. Let all this is education is is key. And we have our our society as we have grown more urban and less rural, less you know agrarian. We've kind of gotten away from kids handling guns at a young age. In in mostly the coast, I think the Midwest is probably a little bit more gun gun handling kids. And I mean, I, I handled them as a kid, but I was by no means an expert. But I knew safety. I knew right from wrong. I knew not you know not to play with them. So. Why, you know, why can't we do the same thing here? And I I don't think it's ever just been pushed that far is the law gets made and nobody's had the wherewithal to push it. I think with the the shift or perceived shift in the Supreme Court, which we assume is going to shift, but you never know, um, there's more that you're going to see coming up through the ranks because they really want these things answered at the high court so that they either have to completely rewrite and rethink the laws or they get dismissed altogether.
0: So, so is, that your, is that your compromise proposal or are you a genuine believer in the idea that we, we should require some type of safety course to buy, to become a first-time handgun owner. I
1: I don't see anything wrong with it because it's education. It may cost you, and again, I mean, we have a right to these guns. I get it.
0: Right, because that's the absolutist version. is look, anybody can buy it. What are you doing telling me I have to take a class? Sure, sure,
1: This, again, coming from my point of view, I don't see a problem with training. You know, even if it's a, a $50 class, even if it's free paid for by the state, I don't care Education is education, and, and having to go through some kind of handling operation, it just makes more sense. Then when they become shoppers, they have a better idea what they're looking at. That's like our basic handgun course, that we we go over all of these same things. Why not have a two-hour course on this, you know, and then you take the test and you're done? It's, it's, it's a nothing burger, really, because you're just educating. You're not asking them to commit all this extra effort into it, and I'll probably be willing to bet that most folks who are first-time buyers would love that kind of information walking into it
0: well and that, especially now as you know more than anyone this explosion in first-time gun owners mm-hmm. and every time you're on the show we get endless people who say i've never even held a gun how do i know what gun to buy and then you always recommend i mean you say look you can come into the shop and we'll show you how various things but you always recommend your classes for that exact right, reason. Right. To figure out, you know, size and, and what you, you know, what, what gun's going to work for you and, and, and things like that. Sure. Um, but in the end, like if you were pushed, you are, you're an absolutist on the Second Amendment. Yes, you absolutely. Would, you wouldn't suggest that we should make that class mandatory to buy a handgun. You think it's a good idea. Yeah, I will say that. Okay. Um, I mean, it's
1: just, but think about the driver's test. I mean, do you want to just hand a license to somebody who's never been trained to drive a car?
0: You know, you only well, the argument there, though, is driving's a privilege. Driving's a privilege, and you're right.
1: And and uh, again, it's. Um, I, I would say that I would recommend it, I, I, yeah. whether it's mandatory or not. I don't really well, have see, any drugs. Th-
0: this is the problem, and you and I have talked about this on and off the air. This is, of course, the problem with society: is everything is. Polarized. It's one or the other, and there's not a lot of room for reasonable middle ground solutions. Because I I get the impression from having known you for a few years now, you and I are what I call reasonable gun owners. Mm -hmm. We are not resistant to things like universal background checks or background checks as much as we can. Who wants to put guns in the hand of of felons? And you and I aren't resistant to the idea of saying... Hey, guys, please, let, get, let's let get, somehow, let's train people mm-hmm. on, I bet you and I could could come to an agreement that there's nothing wrong with offering handgun safety as an elective in high school. Right. You don't have to take it, but anybody who's thinking of maybe owning a gun, enroll your kid.
1: Used and to have, be Boy Scouts.
0: Have, yeah, used to be Boy Scouts. Well, we know what happened to them. Yep, yep. Have guys like you and your brother go out and teach these classes. Yeah. That's all reasonable, But but to to other second amendmentists we're this is no no you're chipping away right at the right and they're not necessarily wrong about that because right. they, you, they, they people are. take it right. people you give them an inch they take a mile mm-hmm. and i think i think you're really sensitive to that the last few years you you right. feel like you're seeing that more yeah. don't right no. No. yeah no. i mean
1: they just uh, california is is a prime example of that let's just throw a law out there and then let them fight it in court while they're fighting it The laws there. We're setting the example. We're the stalwart in Second Amendment, you know, making sure that gun safety and fighting crime and violence, but yet they're letting out, you know, I mean, you look at you look at the policies they're making. Well, they'll restrict guns over here. They'll let criminals out over here for, you know, lesser offenses or whatever the case is. It it doesn't it doesn't jive. And it's it's a feel-good kind of lawmaking. Or maybe it's and Tammy and I have talked about this, maybe it's a consequence of the term limits that these some of these folks want to make a difference and they only have x years to make a difference so you know you know my my cousin was shot and it was unnecessary so let's do something in that in you know and have donovan's law or something but without really fleshing it out is this going to stand um was it proposition eight remember when they made a constitutional amendment against non-heterosexual marriage yeah it's probably okay. eight. right in 2008 yeah you know, and even at that time, regardless of whatever your religious beliefs or whatever, the Constitution is not designed to prevent you from something, it's designed to protect you. Right. And so even when that law was written, right, wrong, or indifferent on your views on it, the law was wrong because you're writing a law to prevent it. And and they, they're doing that same thing, they're writing laws that prevent you from executing constitutional rights. And, that kind of stuff's overturned all the time, but the the, the Supreme Court for years just would not touch Second Amendment. Heller was the last real big decision that everybody kind of remembers. I think there was a minor one, and I, I may say minor, but there may have been one in between, and I'm not, don't quote me. Is it. Heller
0: the DC one?
1: Heller's the DC one.
0: Which basically said, that, that was a time when, correct me if I'm wrong, DC for decades was the murder capital of the world. Yeah, and they had zero. And no handguns. Right,
1: no guns in, in the city limits at all, et cetera. But it, and the you know, Supreme
0: Court said, you can't do that. You can't do that.
1: and and everything that's since then has quoted Heller because everything kind of plays back to that, you know, that that essence of you can't just deny it. You you really need to look at what you're doing. So now, if you have a crime control bill, which in ninety, I, I think the the president right now is touting that the last gun law that he was he touched was the ninety four crime control bill, and, and so that's where did the assault weapon ban.
0: It did nothing right
1: <laughs> it, it, it did nothing for i mean we have the stats right nothing for crime statistics or anything but you know it 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 made a base happy made a political base happy so, and it's just the politics i mean
0: so back to one of your points about about california and other states and in fact dc is another great example they put these laws into place and as you said they worked their way through with their courts but that can take decades it did t- it was like i think wasn't it, it 30 years in dc right and did you say they're counting on it
1: yeah i think so
0: Because the it changes the culture, right? Right, or it makes you think a certain way about things. Um, We're at all time record highs of known gun ownership in America and purchases. A lot of people buy guns as as like their their last bastion of defense Mm -hmm. for security, Mm -hmm. um, deterrence, things like that, and yet. We are at an explosion in crime right now in America, Uh, particularly in big cities. But we're seeing it seep in to places like Roseville, um, a suburb of Sacramento that is usually the haven for, you know, whatever, whatever beaver, cleaver, Peoria, Illinois type city Mm -hmm. you're picturing. That's, you know, that's Sacramento's is Roseville, California. Mm -hmm. Um, If all of these citizens own guns. How come more of them aren't using them brazenly to stop all this crime? In other words, are we not as insane as we're told we are? Because what we're told is, oh, my God, all these guns on the streets, or I'm sorry, all these guns in homes are going to lead to all of these shootings. And yet people aren't whipping out their guns at Neiman Marcus when a bunch of clowns go in and take thousands of dollars in purses. Where's the disconnect there?
1: I think part of that's probably either training or it's just... When you do your CCW training, they do talk about you know when is the right time to pull it, and it really has has to come down to is your life threatened or is there a life threatened, and you have to be rock solid on that decision because as soon as you as soon as you pull it, you've opened up a whole legal can of worms, and I mean it really makes you think, and I mean it, it it's something that they stress in the classes is it doesn't mean don't pull it, it means use your best judgment, but. Once you pull it, understand that the legal gamut is opened, and you will be a target by the defense lawyers potentially, because you pulled the firearm. So you have to make sure that you were you have all those ducks in a row, and you have a very, you know, airtight case that you felt like your life was in danger, or you know something around you was happening that, that warranted it. But we just don't see enough of it, and we just had that one. I just saw an article about a a couple that was followed home from the Galleria and, 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 right. And, and they were robbed in their driveway. Didn't say it was an armed robbery. Didn't say anything else about it. But if they're getting that brazen, then we just have to be aware. And then you have to you know, they have to ask yourself, what was the level of threat? Or did they just run up, grab the stuff out of the back of their car and take off? But how did they report it? the local media has a tendency to not report when somebody does something right with a firearm. They're more likely to report either nothing on it or that find some other slant on it because they're all, they all drink the Kool-Aid. It I don't
0: way. think either one of us is suggesting in that example, which was in the middle of the afternoon, I think on a Thursday, uh, where this couple was followed home from the gallery. Obviously the people saw what they were buying or whatever, how much they were buying. And then, as you said, robbed them in their driveway. I don't think either one of us is suggesting that the answer to that scenario is that, uh, the dude or the woman in her purse pulls out a gun mm-hmm. and starts shooting at them right. because they're robbing them. Right. right Now maybe in a very extreme circumstance, although you bring up the legalities of it now we're on their property if you're a legal gun owner maybe you're, you're producing the weapon is what you hope is a deterrent. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think either one of us would say that's the first go-to move. Right. Right. There's other non-lethal. First of all back it up, not to victim shame, but be aware of your surroundings. Watch when the same car is making the same turns as you, things like right. that. Right. Then there's non-lethal stuff. Tasers which are legal in California and most places, um, I have many tasers and and for that, this exact reason, have them almost always right because it's a great first place to start mm-hmm. um, so, so I just want to make sure we we're clear It's not work we're suggesting pull out a gun right and, no, but you bring up the like the CCW training all of the legal ramifications right. because you're, and you're absolutely right that some a lawyer will a prosecutor can go to town on you. There's also, and this, I don't think this gets talked about enough. We try to talk about it on, on the rad show when people get that, that, and it's not just radio courage because it's social media courage or whatever, where they're in the scenario of somebody, you know, they don't have to be breaking into their home. You know? Yeah. And they'll say stupid stuff like Mm -hmm. you come on my property. I'll just shoot you. It's like, first of all, when I hear somebody say that, I know that I'm dealing with somebody that's never really been in a real world situation. Right. Right you we're gonna talk more about your bio and stuff later but your brother was a cop your mm-hmm. dad was a cop mm-hmm. you did 20 years in the navy mm-hmm. um and then if i understand correctly did you do a, uh what, what do they call it did you do a contract work as well
1: yeah but it wasn't like contractor you think like operator contractor i was a electronics guy so
0: but you were in iraq yes sir during that Dip. so it, so you know cops you were in the military you know lots of military people mm-hmm. everybody every cop that i know every military person that i know has either experienced this or knows someone who has, and they will all say the same thing. It doesn't matter how often it happens. We hope the number is zero. But it changes you when you take a life.
1: Mm, Yes.
0: And this is the thing that I try to point out that we talk about. It's like, you're right. You have to be, when you pull your your gun, you have to be ready for all those legal ramifications. You also have to be ready for... What it's going to feel like when you're responsible for the death of another human, yep. and, and I know that's a really hard thing for people right. to imagine that haven't experienced it. Right. But I know you've talked to people that have, yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it 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 changes them. It does, and you either and you know you'll, they'll either they'll either
1: harden or they'll and I won't say soften, but it'll it'll have the other impact of instead of hardening their resolve, it may make them question or it may make them you know it has an effect on you. You've just taken life that 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 person, whatever the situation is. And whether how much of your life, you, they, your, their life, you know about or don't know about, it doesn't extend beyond that point. And you have done that. And you know, one of one of the taking a life has always been one of those delineators. And I use it when I talk a little bit about handgun safety: is don't put your finger on that trigger until you're ready to take a life. If you're at the range, you're practicing to take a life. You have to always keep that in mind because people will just unconsciously go, and you, you can't do that the chance of a misfire or, a negligent, or, you know, it's, it's way too great. So taking a life is always that delineator that has to be understood when you own a firearm, when you carry a firearm. I mean, I, I fathom completely the awesome and, and terrible responsibility I have for carrying a firearm loaded in the Placer County jurisdiction that the sheriff has granted me permission to do. That's a lot of trust in that, that, you know, it's, it's being done. That trust is not lost on me. I understand the enormity, the gravity of it. Every time I put my firearm on, I understand the gravity of what I'm doing. And so if people that are buying firearms can kind of get some of that, then that builds in that barrier of decision you know do i proceed or do you know am i what am i trying to do here am i trying to intimidate am i going to have to defend myself but you you know if you're going to if you're going to pull it you have to be ready to make that decision and not let it turn around on you because the consequences could be
0: devastating i think one of the things that drives that home that i've noticed over the last few months obviously we're getting more and more and more dash cam and body cam videos mm-hmm. and every single time a cop shoots someone The cop almost immediately, depending on the situation, you know, if Mm -hmm. if by shooting someone, it has diffused all of the threat, the cop almost immediately breaks down. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll they'll instinctively run over to the person and begin life-saving techniques which to a lot of people is like unfathomable. It's mm-hmm. like, how can you, how could you have the ability to shoot and then save? But that's what cops are trained to do, but you see them. And and a, a, there's there's one that I can't remember if it was Chicago where it seems like everything happens all the time, where um, a cop shot a, like a teenager and, and felt he had no other choice. And the minute he did, he started screaming like, mm-hmm. oh my God, get help, get help over here. I mean, just, and we don't even know at that moment, right? He didn't mm-hmm. even know the outcome. He didn't right. know if he or she's gonna live. Right. But just the idea that he pulled the trigger takes so much out of him, right? Um, and and I and they're trained, right, to to, right. to, to react to this, to and react to it, understand. But it. And also they're trained to be ready to take a life to save lives, right? And yet it still gets that reaction out of them, yeah. Which it's is why most police departments have mandatory after-shooting counseling and all this other stuff. And I don't know how we drive that home to more people, like right. like what you said, other than talking about it, more training and stuff, right? Because I think a lot of these tough guys would feel a lot differently. I hope, unless they're sociopaths. No,
1: but I think some of it's just bravado, and and you know, again, we're you know, we talk about firearms bringing peace of mind, and I think that's what you're seeing right now is this lack of security, this lack of feeling like that the system can take care of me, and so they're coming out to try and gain some manner of peace of mind that they can protect themselves and their family. They just have to understand that what protecting themselves and their family with a firearm is going to do you know and I, and I get many people that the first time come in and bought and then they've come back and said well if you know what else can i have and it's not a gun can i use mace can i use mm-hmm. this and we've tried to make sure that they understand the government. there's times where i don't carry a firearm but i carry mace yeah um
0: i own more tasers and guns for yeah, that exact reason
1: right because it's, it's the last thing <laughs> right. All, all you're trying to do is to stop the threat. And I don't mean stop it as in stop their breathing. Right. I mean, mitigate the threat so that they stop being a threat. And we talk about that a lot in the training is that, you know, you're, when you present, when you bring that firearm out and if you have confidence and you look like your razor on it, and if this person flinches in any way, threatening their life could be over. And I don't mean bravado. I just mean confidence. That's a deterrent and that's what you want to think about when you pop it out there is you want them to understand and you want your message conveyed that I am prepared to protect myself at all costs and the cost could be devastating for you. That's a deterrent and that's your first and that's what your hope is gonna stop it. There are 999% of the chances or 99.9% of the time I'm not gonna pull. Right. I'm gonna mitigate the threat by whatever means possible. It's only at that last minute will I pull. But having never been in that situation to where I've had to, I can't say for certain that, that, that that's gonna be the way it is. Now, well, they've talked about arming teachers in schools, right? But what they don't know is what happens when you start getting shot at. How do you react? Do you become, mm. do you become more of a victim or threat than you do a a, a deterrent?
0: Um, right not everybody responds to gunfire by returning gunfire
1: right or hating you know whatever they they may just panic freeze and stop and and that's what they don't know and so you know it and how do you how do you prepare for that get shot at you know i mean and i know from my past you know experiences i've had shooting in my direction i'll say that i don't i don't believe for once i was the target but it was in my direction and i didn't freak out freeze drop the ground whatever i sought cover found the, you know, closest cover situation and moved into it and then assessed. But I don't know if somebody's pointing a gun at me or my wife, how I'm going to react, you know? Right, or
0: even, so even that experience, which most of us have never experienced, mm-hmm. um, even with that experience, you, you don't know for sure, like, God forbid somebody tried to rob your store, mm-hmm. exactly how you would react in your store. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as you're out in the field or, you know, in theater and, and, or in your house even, right? We all believe, we hope, and some of us even plan for it. Or, right. But in the moment, until you're there, right. it, it's, a, it's a totally different animal.
1: Right, which is why you prepare.
0: Exactly. By the way, to, to, just a random question, because we're talking about taking a life and everything. In all of your military experience, or everybody, have you ever known a sniper? I have always been curious, and I've never gotten to know one, I have always been curious to know how they mentally process what they do.
1: I, I, know, I know a couple that have, have been through sniper school. And I I know people intimately that have, I know one person, and I won't go into it, who's been to sniper school, and it just comes down to mission focus. You know, what is your job? Most snipers are there to protect. So if you're protecting, it changes the equation rather than deep cover assassination. And I, I don't know anybody I've ever been able to talk to that has had a sniper school has been that guy to go in deep recon and you know, for, you'd be talking to CIA folks. You'd never even see them typically for that, I would think. But or other governmental agencies, but mostly military. When you look at like Chris Kyle, they were always overwatch. You know, they're always making sure that or they're trying to take out another sniper where they're going predator. But again, it's in a it's a vein of protection.
0: And same mindset, too. Right. Like if you're on SEAL Team 6 looking for Osama bin Laden it's not you're it's not the same thing as what we're talking about of taking another citizen's life who's threatening you there's a different mindset
1: beyond that you're you're yeah yeah that's just mission focus and you have an objective and if there's threats you eliminate them and you move on to the objective and you know those those guys are and, and i know a couple of those guys and again it's just they they have you have to train that hesitancy out because if you don't you won't you won't know them. they won't make it past the first mission
0: so you mentioned earlier you alluded to the fact the supreme court right now is uh, six conservative three liberal ju- justices um i don't think all six of the conservative justices are as conservative as conservatives would like them to be particularly mm-hmm. chief justice john roberts right. but that's a pretty overwhelming in modern day times uh balance which is right. why as you said gun advocates are actually now pushing to get into the courts like this is their time right do you do you see and you as you said they've been resistant for a while but they've taken up a few or they've shown an indication do you see this over the next couple years i know i know what you hope do you see maybe some groundbreaking supreme court gun decisions
1: i see them taking up the cases how they how they sway i don't know i i you know i hope it makes it through the uh the, the appellate courts where they're at but i I think it's the time that they're being pushed. I don't think they can avoid it any longer, and I think there's enough of a a need for them to examine these laws because it is straight constitutionality. If this was a civil rights law it, it, a civil rights issue, it would be in the courts. you know it would be up there much faster, but they don't see it that way, you know because again it's it's whether you feel firearms are necessary or not
0: would you describe where we are socially and culturally is there a war on guns
1: yeah there's been one for a while though i mean it's you know a war on guns and anybody who thinks that they need one i mean because you get a lot of the questions you know why do you have to have a ar-15 i mean i have family members by marriage that are not that are not pro ar-15 and they don't understand why we need to to buy these kind of guns or have these kind of guns And, and what's
0: your answer why? Why do you need an AR-15? Why do you need a gun that shoots thirty rounds?
1: It's available. I mean, it's it's available and it's legal. I mean, why not? Why do you have to have a vet? Why do you have? Why couldn't? Why can't everybody just drive Volkswagens? I mean, so it just comes to down to to what's available. And ARs are not like oh the expensive elitist days. This is just common stuff. You can build an AR reasonably for about four hundred and fifty dollars in normal times.
0: And another one that that you get a lot of is who needs that many guns? Right. Everybody has a different number. Whether it's right. three, five, twenty. Well, why do you need that many guns? I mean, I, I, I have answers. My, mm-hmm. my example in modern times is is I give a, I try to give it like a an legitimate answer. I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the, the answer that should shut everybody up is because I can. Mm-hmm. It's my right and I can. But, you know, then a lot of people scream, you know, they say, oh, that's not what the second amendment means and you get into the weed. So I try to give a real world example of, well, home invasions are really big right now.
1: Yeah, they're a real thing.
0: And so when I've got five guys breaking into the house at once... And my wife, who thank God she's trained from serving in the military, and I need to scatter. We need to be able to scatter to separate places and have guns in different parts of the house. Mm-hmm. Which also goes back to your AR example or high capacity magazines. Why do I need 15 bullets? Well, because if I got to take out five guys, I'm right. gonna, you know, the likeliness that with nine bullets I'm going to do it is very low.
1: Right, and that's a big part of Justice Justice Benitez's ruling on the high cap or California's magazine ten round magazine
0: limit. Which um, he ruled it's unconstitutional, but it's on pause until it goes higher, right? Yeah, that's what exactly.
1: we're at. We're, they're waiting for the. In fact, I think the Ninth Circuit, I think they recently heard it in Bonk. My, the way I understand it and the way I read on that path that it's on is that a lot of these decisions in the appellates are being held up until this current Supreme Court case that's before them. It's the New York case. And they're they're seeing which way that's going to swing before they make their decision
0: and in the new york case they're deciding what
1: can you have a gun outside your house and that even means transporting it to the range because
0: which does the the law right the
1: law has kind of locked it down to my understanding on that so and i I really try and make sure i've always tried to understand a problem from every angle not just from my lens i want to understand it from all the angles because to me you make better decisions that way and being in the business I'm in. I hear a lot of two A stuff, a lot of pro two A stuff. And there's 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 misinformation on all sides. There is. Um, I heard an inch I was talking to a gentleman yesterday who who is a retired sheriff deputy from Jefferson Parish in Louisiana. And he was there during Katrina and operating patrols and all that stuff. And I heard some interesting stories that kind of counter some misinformation that I've heard from the other from from the from the 2A side about confiscations, there was something going around on social media about and during Katrina, the law enforcement went in and confiscated guns from people. I was talking to him, I asked him directly, I said, did you confiscate any guns? He goes, the only guns that were taken out of houses were abandoned houses. They were sending cops to abandoned houses so that those guns didn't wind up on the street in the wrong hands. They were, because the people that had them could go back and collect
0: them. So the, the, the videos that go around show like teams of six, heavily armed cops mm. going into homes but the context is never given that it's a vacant home which that's, as i understand it they 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 knew through registration laws that there was a gun or might be a gun in there right um and that's exactly right they were concerned with all the looting right that the, the criminals were going to get in there and now they're armed
1: right and it was to, uh, my understanding of the description it was given and again i'm going by second party efforts here or sec- information. Is that it was done in the in the sense it wasn't done to take them away from people. It was done in the sense that they weren't abandoned and they weren't left for to become, you know, black guns on the street. In in, in the sense that nobody knows about them, the ghost situation, where all of a sudden they just all disappear.
0: And the problem is that that story's not sexy enough for the far two A crowd.
1: No, and, and it's and again, it's not. It doesn't push the message. And again, everything now is about pushing message. Um, and again, looking at it from all angles, and so that was one of the interesting angles that I've, I've seen. Again, there's probably more angles to it. There's a political angle, I don't know, because I don't know any Louisiana politicians. I don't know any of the decision makers. I just know this one guy in his lens. But it did kind of paint it a little bit different for me so that I have a greater understanding of that situation. And it makes sense, because I don't want the bad guys. I If I have to abandon my house for any reason, I would rather law enforcement come take them, safeguard them so that when I'm able to return, I can take whatever measures to get them back rather than have them fly out and wind up being used to harm other people unnecessarily.
0: Well, and this is the thing that frustrates me as a gun owner and a second amendment supporter is that stereotypically, most of us that hold that view are also pro-law enforcement. And yet I see more and more often when forced to choose, we're abandoning law enforcement because the way I hear that story, again, Second hand now third hand whatever but the way I hear it is I I don't want those I don't want criminals armed because the first people they're going to use them against are cops when when they're threatened. Right. or us. Or uh, right, us. But I what well, here's my my dream scenario is that when they try to threaten us there's a cop around. Well, now the cops in danger. Right. And I'm and 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 that's I don't want that. Right. But but it but for some reason because we have to be so rigid, yeah. we go, "Oh, well, screw the cops in that case. Right. You know, you should have you should have left the gun in that house." Right. That abandoned house. Right. And and that can get really frustrating. Looking at it from all angles and trying to be reasonable second mm-hmm. amendment proponents. What about the issue of glamorizing or, or glorifying guns with kids. Now, you and I grew up in a time where we're shooting, you know, at the very least, Nerf dart guns at each other. Like and, and cap guns. Cap guns, I mean, guns, right. guns that look and sound like guns. <laughs> um, and I don't think that's exactly why you wound up in the military or that, that's why you own a gun shop. I don't think it's why I own guns. Um and it doesn't seem like either one of us is excessively violent, but right. that's what we're told we're doing. We're glamorizing guns with kids. It, it, where is the line with with that? I mean, I, I know that you are absolutely a proponent of, if especially with hunting, hey, if you want to get your kid a gun and teach them safety and all that. But what about people that are not necessarily of that vein i'm like i don't want my child to think that guns are a toy right i mean there's some reasonableness to that i would still fall back on parental responsibility right but where are you on that just in general
1: and again i can only say from my own experience my father being a cop there were always guns in the house we didn't have a safe and my father's idea that if a gun was unloaded it was a club it was useless so every gun was loaded but we understood the gravity of what we were looking at and there was always the We always knew that if we wanted to go to the range and shoot, look at something, have any questions about it, if we told my father, he would willingly, as soon as he had time, like I said, but he would go get it and we would discuss whatever we wanted to discuss. So there was that kind of, he understood that reducing the curiosity reduces the the danger and the risk, doesn't eliminate it, but it reduces the risk of a child doing something foolish. The more we guard it and protect it, and make it a a, a, a no no. I mean, how many kids drink? We can't drink under that. you you know, it it, it kind of comes into that same frame of mind. And so many kids are. So I mean, video games are part of our society, and whether it's John Wick movies or. And again, I'm not just <laughs> targeting I love the John Wick movies. Yeah, by yeah, no, I watch one of that. <laughs> I'm just saying that that it's become so part of our. Our exciting adventure culture, whether it's a game, a Western game where you're in the Wild West, or your Call of Duty or your other games, you are using a firearm to perform actions within that game of whatever function. You can desensitize people to that in a, in a sense. You know, my take on some of the Sandy Hook stuff was that child was desensitized to it. It became part of the fantasy in a sense because. I mean, he didn't have any reason to have anything against any of those children at that school, but what he did was heinous. Did did that play a part in it, but I mean, and, but I don't want to get in part of the, you know, rock and roll and Ozzy Osbourne is the, you know, is the devil's music. It does, it's not the case, but you have to get your child to understand the framework of which you're playing. You know, my son played, college, you know, he played Grand Theft Auto, for example.
0: Well, that's a hell of a game.
1: I, right. <laughs> and I had to teach him that while in the course of the game, that behavior was there. That is not acceptable behavior in society. You're you don't living kick a, a hooker when she's down in the head. Right. Yeah. You're living a fantasy. I mean, he used to get he used to crack up at me because I wouldn't do that stuff playing the game. Oh. And he's like, Dad, why don't you? No, I can't because I just can't do it. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not in the makeup, but yet to him, it's just part of the game, and that's fine. But it didn't translate to his real life. He's not out beating up you know people and stealing cars. So it comes within the framework of parenting, I think, to make it understood those boundaries you know setting those boundaries understanding those boundaries but then also setting the example as well
0: i remember years ago i don't remember where i was but it was a fairly major city i was on vacation and there was a sports bar that was they had their tvs on and you could see them from the streets and Whatever event was going on, there were a few of us that were watching from outside the sports bar. And this couple is walking by with what I would guess is their five to six-year-old child. And as they walk by, the TV is showing commercials. And whatever came on, it featured a picture of a gun. Maybe it was a, a, a public service announcement. Maybe there was a gun show in town. I don't know. But I, I, I put this all together after the fact. They turned the kid around and shielded the kid's eyes because they didn't even want him to see a gun. And I could hear some of the chatter as they walked away and I thought, "Oh my god, this is their solution?" Right. "To to gun safety in their minds is don't even show him that they exist." Right. Which seems to be the driving force behind this no toy guns anywhere, don't let kids play with guns thing, which I don't understand how we got to that point as opposed to the one, the example that you're giving whether it's Grand Theft Auto or Nerf guns. Right. And teaching the difference. Right, uh, th- This whole remove it from society thing, to me, makes them more dangerous Right, because they have no understanding of, right. of, of what a gun is.
1: Well, I mean, in, in, it, it comes into so many parts of our society now. We don't have discussions with our kids about racism. We don't have discussions with our kids about sexual preference, whatever. We don't give them the framework to understand and make those decisions because, well, I don't want to expose it. And believe me, kids are exposed to, in my opinion, <laughs> strictly my opinion, kids are exposed to way too much at an early age now, but you can't avoid it because media is everywhere and it's it, it permeates. So us as parents need to have discussions about those things, you know, I mean, um, and make sure that they understand the framework within all of this. I have a, you know, my dad grew up in California I, and this is off the gun thing, but we're talking about like racism and teaching kids and the innocence of kids, this is a great story. They went back to Texas when he was, I think he said he was about four and a half, five years old. They pull into a gas station in Texas and there's two water fountains. One says white, one says colored. My dad takes off toward the colored water fountain. He said, my mom about yanked my arm out of my socket. She says, where are you going? He said, I want to see what color the water is. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that a beautiful story of innocence because you're taught that stuff, but you're also taught that it's gonna be there and how to frame it. And that's whether it's guns or whatever, us as parents need to take that responsibility of doing that because by not by shielding them and not doing it, we're doing our kids a disservice.
0: Did you hear about this Lego gun? So this is a this is a story I found like a week ago. It's a company in Utah, and they make custom modifications to firearms. And they create they have a kit mm-hmm. that encases a Glock handgun in red, yellow, and blue Lego blocks. And they call it the Block Nineteen. Ha and they sell it for five fifty to seven fifty, depending on the the specifics. And their their pitch is that shooting is fun. And actually, they said on their uh, on their I think it was their Twitter feed that I grabbed this from. Here's the thing: guns are fun. Shooting is fun. Thirty rounds full of uh, thirty rounds full auto is fun. And the reaction to it, of course, overwhelming was, you know, well, what's not fun is the reality that thousands of children unintentionally shoot themselves or get shot every year. In other words. You take a Glock and you make it look like a Lego toy. Right. And their point is, well, but it's for adults. But is that too much? Is that too far for you? Because I saw a picture. I wanted to print out a picture for you. I mean, it looks like Legos. Right,
1: right. And I mean, again, it's an interesting gimmick, whether or not it's it's mass marketable. I mean, I don't mean whether it's going to sell or not. I just mean whether it's, you know, you have to choose that right or wrong thing. You could say, hey, check out what I did. But in doing so, it's made for adults obviously cuz kids can't buy guns but what does that what does that adult do with it you know right. and if that if they do leave it lying out or something happens the the child may or may not understand the gravity of what they've holding because you've kind of you know it's like shielding dynamite in a toilet paper roll or something you know what i mean you, you don't know what you're handling so you lose that and and it if it's meant as a gimmick, a gag or whatever, that's fine. As long as you keep it locked up, you make whatever you want to make. You can cover your gun and Legos all you want to, with, yeah. you know, hot glue, but is it, is it the right thing to do? You know, that's one of the tenements I live my life on, is this the right thing to do or not the right thing to do? Sure. Whether the right thing to do is a hard choice or an easy choice, always an easy choice, it just may be a hard task to fulfill.
0: Again, we're back to the extremes because I don't have children. Christina and I don't have kids. Well, what, how am I dangerous with the Lego right. gun? Right. Now, if you have kids, and to your point, if you own this gun that does look like a big Lego gun, and you've got kids that play with Legos, and you leave that gun lying out, well, that's goddamn stupid. Right. And you should be held accountable. Right. And there's laws against that. Right. You know, but you So the answer the kid, is don't say, make it, don't let them sell it.
1: <laughs> it, it. It could be that, or just if you have it, be smart. Right. That's all. Make the right decisions. That's, you know, and again, it comes down to whether it's... Crime control, whether it's violence, you know, gun control. We don't have a gun problem in this country. We have a violence problem in this country. People do not know how to cope with the extremes of emotions that are being generated, whether it's by the media, whether it's by the internet, whether it's by social, whatever form, we're being polarized. And whether it's intentional or not is completely up to you and what tinfoil hat you wear. But <laughs> you have to be able to keep that within the framework of the extremes. But when people lose it, you don't know when or where somebody's boundary is. So you've you've got to understand, you've got to make right decisions. And it comes down to gun control. If you have the laws in place that say, you're not to do this, you're not to do this, you're not to do this. I mean, you could say, it's illegal to kill somebody with a car if you're driving drunk. But you don't take away the cars. And we always go back to that. But it's, again, because a car is not a right. But- it goes back to that decision-making thing of how far do you go? Because the Pandora's box of guns in America is long since opened. You are never gonna pull that. You could do a mass gun, gun confiscation like Australia right now. And I was looking at, the, I was looking at one time, the uh, stats on Australia. When they pulled all the guns, other crimes went up suicides with guns went down suicides by other means went up because you're not going to take the behavior out of people you're just taking the matter in which they do it and again it comes down to feel good law because you have to change the culture and the society you don't change the tools because those tools are out there
0: so and when you were listing off all the things that have got us wrapped up you know social media the internet maybe the media uh as you said whether you think it's intentional or not then you add in a year and a half of covid have you noticed I know you've traveled recently. Mm-hmm. I think you, I think for the most part you you like me you've been traveling as when you could where you could. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed as we've emerged a little bit more from the pandemic behaviors in people that are different?
1: Yeah, I mean I think people are much more aware of I'm going to say their surroundings but it, you know their immediate bacterial touch you know the things that are going on what are transmissible methods you know am i too close to that guy is that guy coughing we're probably way more hyper aware of that now than we were before on some scale it's not a bad thing but as long as we don't take it to the extremes um you know and you, you experienced when you traveled the whole airport masking from you know airport to airport um on certain forms of transportation that are not airport they want it so you just, you roll with it for now.
0: Have you noticed, a? this is one of the things Christine and I really noticed in Vegas, and we've seen it more and more as people are starting to come out more, social awkwardness. That there's, there's like this weird, I don't know how to interact with human beings thing. Try a handshake. Oh, you, God. Do, do they, they, they kind of, you know, like, it's kind of
1: like the bro hug hand, you don't know what you're doing, right? The hands, your hand will go out, one will fist, one will go like this, and then all of a sudden you're fisting in their hand. You're like, hey, <laughs> let's just, you know, elbow, whatever. But... <laughs> You know, and it, it, but it has it has made us more aware of that.
0: Yeah, have do you, have you noticed that in customers that that, oh, yeah. that they're like a little weird? They just it's that it's the. I mean, beyond just oh my god, I'm in a gun store. When you
1: hand them a firearm, that's one thing. But right. if you go to shake a hand or any of that natural greeting stuff, any of that bonding stuff that's you know mano a mano you know per the touching that has changed, and people are again. It takes some time to change behavior and we have had way more than that enough time to change behaviors. Is it gonna snap back? Is it gonna snap back partly? Probably not. Will we evolve and learn and become better? That's what I hope. But you know, not it's it really comes down to a personal choice of do I wanna shake that person's hand or not
0: and then go get sanitized real fast or whatever. (laughs) you mentioned your dad's from california yes sir. and i didn't know until uh, you sent sent me over a, a bio of yours um because we just never talked about it. you're from stockton yes sir um was it stockton then like it, was, it is now no
1: nah, it was it was roseville then i mean there were there was south Stockton. i mean there was bad i mean just like in any city you have you have the the parts that are, you know you kind of if you don't belong there you don't go there um i used to ride my bike from if you know stockton Alpine Avenue over by I five all the way over to East Stockton over like Highway twenty six and I, I knew all the back roads. I, would get. I used to ride to my grandfather's house or my grandfather's camper shop, and then either I'd ride back that night or I'd stay the night and come back. I would let my kid ride around the block on a bike in Stockton, now, you know. <laughs> right. But because even even my mom's neighborhood right now, which the uh, last week somebody came off and popped off a bunch of rounds in that cul actually lives in oh and the cops that came out the stockton pd that came out and responded said they were flabbergasted because this little area this is probably one of the safest areas they've never had but it's kind of been introduced into that and it's just more that permeating out of but again it's cultural it's not geographical it's the cultural behavior what drew those guys in to do whatever we don't know you know there's not enough evidence to know any of that but were they targeting? Was it just random? Um, but you're seeing, you know, just how places evolve. And so I'll tell people now, so where'd you grow up? I grew up in Stockton. They look at me like I'm from South Central. Right. I'm like, you know, no, it's, <laughs> I mean, but you know, it is what it is, but it's still a great city. There's so, I mean, not so much to do. They've closed down a lot of businesses. One of the reasons I didn't settle back there was there was no work for me when I came out of the Navy. Sacramento had more of a, a an industrial environment for me to get into my field and work up here. But, I, my family still all lives down in that in that area. I went to Toke High School. Went to Delta College. We used to call it University next to Jemco (UNG). Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I I I did like a year of college for administrative justice because I was going to go into law enforcement. And through a confluence of events, I can tell you later, I didn't do it. I mean, it. You know I I, I I my dad kind of said, you know, I think you need some life experience. You need a little bit more maturity than you have. To go and become a cop, you go into the military for four years. You come out, you will be a cop. I will make sure you follow that. You can do that path, and he was right because going in changed some things and how I look at things. I saw the world. I, I see things differently. But you know, in in doing so, Stockton was, you know, just like Roseville, just like Sacramento. Um, my dad always used to get upset because on on the news everything bad happened in Stockton, all the good stuff happened Sacramento used to piss him off,
0: but. So you you followed that advice, but you didn't do four years.
1: No, they kept offering me money because I was in a high value field, I guess you'd call it. Because I I didn't sign up for four years. Actually, I had to sign up for six. My first two years was straight school, but it wasn't like nuclear school. But it was electronic school. And back then, I mean, they taught you from the physics level of electronics through to what you did, and then it. it You know, nowadays it's in the age of throwaway. You know, a computer goes bad, you throw away the monitor. Back then you'd pull the four circuit boards, find out what's wrong, change out a resistor and go. But, you know. um,
0: So that was your area of expertise in the Navy? It was electronics, yeah.
1: So I worked in signals collection, signals intelligence.
0: And you did how long? 20 years. And then you, so you mentioned uh, when you you got out that you didn't resettle in Stockton Mm. for all those reasons you mentioned. And is it the fact that you're from here and your family's here that keeps you in california because you're the kind of guy a lot of people look at and go why do you live in california right Right. you know gun laws and and everything else you could have gone anywhere Mm -hmm. in 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 the country Mm -hmm. to to start again why why stay
1: right i mean i wasn't in i wasn't part of the gun crowd i guess you'd call it back then um i mean i always had them always knew them I, i knew the guns that i had i just Realistically, I was in the navy. I couldn't afford a lot of guns. I was always paying child support or something else. (laughs) So coming back here, you know, I look at the path of my life, and I've talked to some other folks about this. I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason—good, bad, and different. It makes you who you are. It's how you react and funnel yourself through that that makes you into the person you are. And I look at everything I've got now, and I'm blessed. I'm blessed that everything has happened—hardship, not you know, good times, bad times, whatever. It's all led me, and and coming back to California brought me to Tammy, for example. And so, it had I stayed there, and I had opportunity to stay in Florida, I had opportunity to go to San Diego, but I didn't. So the path led me, you know, back in here. Why do I stay in California? I mean, it's it's now is probably the most that I've ever thought about. Should I leave California? But I've got the store, and so until I can tie up that obligation, or come to other means, or whatever you know then then i I'm here, and I'm here for the long haul um I still got myself my mom's still around Tammy's mom's still around, so we have family grandkids a lot some of our family members have moved out and away um so you know it, it, again it is spreading out a little bit, but you know mostly it's family
0: it it, it is also when you take out the politics and, and you can't really say take out the homelessness and stuff, but the other thing i mean i'm i'm basically from California right since I was 3 months old it is a really cool state yeah it's everything's great but the politics right. i mean if you take the politics out then
1: you don't have the tax issues you don't have the homeless issues i mean you know we look at the homeless crisis right now i mean that that started years ago when they eliminated state hospitals now whether bad stuff was going on in there they should have reformed that side of it but to eliminate them most of the folks that i've encountered and being near the freeway Having my store, having the location it's at, there's some there's some places where people can get out of the wind. There's some external outlets that they plug in their phones. Who knows where they get them? But they mm-hmm. they will congregate, and and any interaction I've had, I've been able to tell that there is some essence of mental illness in there, and that's not a blanket. That's just the ones that I've encountered. But with with um, you know, there's others that are just homeless. I mean, my son lived in his car for. Two months until he could figure things out. So there are instances where that can manifest itself without the mental issue.
0: My God, Eddie, you let your son live in a car? Oh, yeah. How did you not take him back in? Because you know that's going to be the reaction. Because
1: it was like the ninth time we'd not taken it back
0: <laughs> in. We
1: finally, yeah, you know. It's time. And, but but he also said, Dad, I don't want to come back home. I need to do this on my own. And he figured so, it out. Right. And he did, just like everybody else will if they have the means. And I mean, a lot of the methods that they have in California, you know, the, the housing, things like that, I, I can see there's some great intentions for helping people through that. But you got to ask yourself, do they want, you
0: know. So, but, by the way, when you were in the Navy, where, where'd you go? Where in the world... What, what type of places continents countries whatever just a quick little list so i was
1: what we call a land sailor atlantic sailor um i actually i did a sea tour out of, which was on a ship out of charleston south carolina deep south was amazing i mean i took Tammy on a tour down there and i mean there's a lot of history back there good and bad but it's still the people back there just dynamite um i was able to go to the mediterranean north atlantic i've been above the Arctic circle i've been to the baltic sea norway finland Denmark, places like that. So I got to, it's interesting the the cultures up in there versus say the Mediterranean cultures. And then I've been to the Mediterranean a couple of times, seen every Caribbean island, whether I've had my feet on it or looking through (laughs) binoculars. Um, Been off the coast of Panama, been off the coast of uh, South America. And then on the pack side, I did one tour in Hawaii where I was able to go. I, I wasn't sea going then. I was we called direct support where I was. My shop would outfit ships that didn't have the the equipment, and they would go deploy, and then we would send off people to to support it. When it would come back, we'd take it off, and or not take it off, but shut it down. And I got to go to Australia, I've, um, which was amazing. But that's really the only place in the Pacific farther west than Hawaii that I've been is Australia. I've never been to the Asian continent. I've never been off the coast in the Middle East, you know, or anything like that. Never been to the, in the ocean. All mine was Atlantic side. But I've been to Spain. I mean, just you if it's a Mediterranean port, short of I've never been to Israel, never been to Egypt. We actually went down crossed the line of death in Libya when Gaddafi was there with a battleship in tow just to kind of say <laughs> uh, And you know, this was uh and I have some 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 good video of some of the ships back then. It was and it was life changing because I don't see the United States, the way somebody who's never left the United States sees it. I look at neighborhoods, and yet you go over to other countries, and there's, there's it kind of goes from either rural to flats. It's urban to rural. There is no suburban, you know, that you see much. Now, I've never been stationed in Germany, so I haven't been out in the countryside there. And most of the time when you pull into a port, it's in the worst part of town ever. So, you know, you wind up, you know, walking through it or driving through it really fast in a taxi. Um, fastest taxi drivers in the world. Germany craziest Italy good to know but uh, yeah they get the Mercedes and woof they're gone (laughs) Um, but I've been able to see that and 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 then I've lived in Maine I've lived in Washington DC I've lived in Norfolk Virginia Charleston I did three tours on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola Florida best beaches bar none in the U.S. or Gulf Coast
0: so one of the things that that my wife has a reaction to having served in Afghanistan and spent a lot of time in the Middle East and, and some overseas stuff is she she gets really annoyed at the xenophobia of people that have never left america right, right. that look there's yeah. nothing wrong with saying america's great right and you can even say it's the greatest nation on earth but it right. doesn't mean everybody else sucks right and everybody yeah. else is stupid right in fact she has a lot of reverence for a lot of the people in particular from the middle east where she spent most of her time and she yeah. gets very frustrated yeah. with people who have never left this country who talk about the rest of the world like they have any idea what they're talking about right
1: right i mean i've met a lot of third country nationals over in iraq and just and, and 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 Iraqis, they were just normal people. All they want is to live like we do. I mean, one of the one of the things that I tell people is how I approach people. I mean, whether it's you know you Rob, very successful radio commentator. I mean, everything you've done to to anybody. We all get up and want hope one thing in the morning that our day doesn't suck. Yeah. I don't care if you're the president. I don't care if you're a general, a, you know, a, a, a soldier, sailor, airman. Everybody just wakes up, and goes, "Man, I hope my day doesn't suck." I gotta put, wear my pants. <laughs> the same way we all start off. So we all fundamentally that way. So whether you're from the Middle East or whatever, they're all they're all victims of their own teaching. They're all victims of of, of their own things. But a lot of them are just like us. They just want to live a peaceful, natural life. And you know, hopefully that you know everything is is left alone so that people can live a peaceful life.
0: So bringing everything full circle, how how ultimately did you wind up? owning NorCal gun vault. And you're what, three years, four years in? Four years in, yeah. And how, how did how did that happen? Did, did um, you did you set out to own a gun store? No, I
1: mean not not initially. We uh I had I because I worked as a contractor and by that I mean I worked for Raytheon and some other electronics companies working on defense contracts. Um I'd kind of done it. i have been with DOD about 30 years, concluded my military time, and that's kind of a long time. And and I mean from the time I went in, I mean nobody was it wasn't like Full Metal Jacket where you're slapping people in the face and beating people up, but boot camp and the military goes from one side of the pendulum and it really has swung to the other side of the pendulum. And I was just, it was time. I was going to go back on mid shifts and I was like, man, I'm too old for <laughs> mid shifts and late nights and stuff. So I looked at other areas and I found a job in biomedical engineering. And so what I was doing was a field tech for ultrasounds and density because the field that I'm an expert in is radio frequency RF. Ultrasounds was basically another it's it's not the same, but it's the same properties. And so I went into that. Well, I had a very large area. The equipment they kept adding on to our contracts was getting bigger and bigger, but we didn't have the people to have like a two man lift or three guys there to do something. We were doing a lot of our started hurting myself. And, you know, I'm in my fifties, so I wanted some mobility when I'm older. And I I'd hurt my back, I was out, and so Tammy and I were talking about, you know, hey, maybe, you know, because Tammy's an entrepreneur. Tammy's had her own businesses before, had, you know, good, bad, and different. She's had good businesses before, and a couple of them have been very successful. So, you know, she's like, maybe you ought to just look at going into business, you and me. And so we just started looking at what was available. We had gone into NorCal Gun Vault at a suggestion from Sportsman's because we were looking for AR parts. And they said, you know, we don't carry them, but go over to these guys, they're real nice. And... That gentleman I had interaction with him, still works for me today. The store was great. We kind of had a good feeling from it. I liked the vibe of the store. We'd gone into a couple of others at different points, completely different vibe. And we're looking through business broker listings and there's a gun store in Rockland, vale we're like, let's look into this. And it turns out it was Norco Gun Vault. And so we thought, you know, this is something we could do. We're both outdoorsy. You know, we like the outdoors. We like hunting, counting camping. We're both two A advocates, but you know we weren't like you know we're not the hobbyists that bought a gun store and had to figure out how to run it um i have my degree in business tammy's got her master's so we're business owners who own a gun store and we're trying to you know turn some things around with it to make it more successful than it was
0: well and you uh, you joke in quotes that um tammy's like the brains behind the operation mm-hmm. you're there many days a week mm-hmm. um, and last I heard Tammy's there Saturdays if she's there at all because mm-hmm. she's still doing her career work. Yep. Um, but you guys do run that place together yes. Um, and we've talked before off the air uh, with Christina and Tammy about the whole idea of being a team mm-hmm. and you have this great visual analogy of standing back to back with each other mm-hmm. and looking out at the world and mm-hmm. having that's literally having each other's back mm-hmm. and, and I love seeing that with, yeah. with you guys which kind of brings us back to something you mentioned before about how ultimately everything that you've gone through how blessed you are yeah. and you've mentioned family a million mm-hmm. times and now did you just have a wedding in your family uh, no there's one coming up in august oh it's coming up in august so yeah. we were texting back and forth you were in florida you sent me a picture of a drink you were having oh yeah and you mentioned a wedding and i was like oh my god that's right what's going on because you how many kids do you have
1: i we uh, tammy and i have four children uh we don't have any together uh her, her two her two sons actually no i'm sorry not four children three children <laughs> i'm adding grandchildren in there i got i've got you know so i got my son ren and then, and then Chris and Jason, Tammy's sons. Uh, my son Ren lives in in Alabama now. He was kind of raised there, and then went back there and went back home. And then uh, Christopher and Jason work with us. And so um, Christopher and Courtney, one of our employees there, have struck up a romance and they're getting married. Congratulations!
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So you've got you've got your son working for you, and now his fiance works for you. Mm-hmm. Are they going to continue to work for you?
1: As long as they can, yeah. As long I, as we let them.
0: I, I, you've got a lot of family and, and and close friends working for you, and that's something you know you've seen around here, around this operation at various times, and it's it's one of those things. It's got this high degree of difficulty unless you do it right. Because right. if you're doing it right, it can be such a cool thing. Right. Um. So that so they literally met at NorCal Gunval, working together, mm-hmm. and now they're getting married. Now they're getting married, and they're the ones in August. Yes. Outstanding.
1: So yeah, it'll be it'll be a, it'll be fun. We're actually going to close down the store the day of the wedding because. Everybody in the store is invited to the wedding. So what are you going to do, right? <laughs> Who are you going to leave to open a store, right? So, right. yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, we only close, you know, certain days of the year, but that'll be a day that we close. We'll put on an email, post it on Facebook that we're closed that day and we'll make sure everybody understands it. Yeah, I know if you got to pick up your gun on that day, you may not be able to get in because the doors will be locked, so.
0: Well, thank you for doing this. Eddie, you are sure. such a great partner and you've become a really me. good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we get the emails all the time. I think we've had, in the three years we've been working together, one or two quote-unquote complaints and you have risen up and we found out you know in one case it was totally bogus and in the other one it was a little mis- miscommunication mm-hmm. other than that people just rave about you which is appreciate exactly that. why we partnered together right. i appreciate that um, and you're a great human being so yeah, thank, uh, you. thank you very much for doing this
1: yeah appreciate that Ralph. thank you very much like i said it's always always a pleasure love talking about it there's so much more to talk about you just can't do it in an hour
0: yeah well we'll have you back Did you enjoy this episode of the Rad Probcast? Send an email to rad at radradio.com. A new episode of the Probcast premieres anytime Rob feels like doing one.